The Productive Woman, Episode 176. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast dedicated to productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Thank you for joining me. In this episode, we'll be talking about some productivity tools and techniques we can try to kickstart or boost our productivity. You'll find more information and links in the show notes for this episode, which are at theproductivewoman.com slash 176. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks is an online accounting software that can revolutionize how you handle the money for your business. It's a, a service that I've been using for well over a year, and they're offering you as a Productive Woman listener a free 30-day all-access trial so you can find out just how helpful and how easily usable it is. Those of you who are freelancers or solopreneurs or running a small business or anyone who needs to manage business finances, you owe it to yourselves to check it out, which you can do by visiting freshbooks.com slash woman. FreshBooks is really easy to use, even for a kind of non-money oriented person like me, a non-numbers oriented person, but it's got a ton of really powerful features that let you manage your business in a way that's very efficient, very effective, uh, lets you keep track of where your money's going, where it should be coming from, when it's due, all those things. It's got lots of tools within it to help you do that. Uh, You can customize invoices and send them with a click of a button and those invoices show up in the inbox of your clients or customers and they can read through it, click on a button right in that email and it takes them right to where they can pay it online in seconds so that they have no reason not to pay you, makes it very easy and very simple for them, which is why FreshBooks customers tend to get paid more quickly. Uh, They say up to four days more quickly than in some other cases. So definitely worth trying that. Uh, FreshBooks, one of the things I like about it is the dashboard that when I log in, I can see at a glance kind of where the money is, what's been billed, what needs to be billed, what's due, when's it due, where's it coming from, uh, all those kinds of things. It really lets me keep a good handle on my business finances. And I can do that right from my smartphone. So it's a great tool for managing your business finances, helping you be more productive and more profitable. And as I said, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to the Productive Woman listeners to claim it for yourself, just go to freshbooks.com slash woman and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, so let's get on to the topic for this week. I uh, was thinking about how at the beginning of the year is, is, is still a time for kind of evaluating different things that are going on, how, how we're functioning, what's working, what's not working. And I thought it might be a, a good time to research some resources, tools, techniques that might help us be more productive, whether in managing our time, our attention, our energy, uh, for motivating and empowering us to take action. 
I am not an expert of, in any of these that I'm going to talk about. I literally set about thinking of new and different tools and techniques that for the most part I don't use regularly and to learn about how they might fit into my workflow and possibly yours as well. And so I've got, I think, five or six tools that I, I'm, I'm looking into and then five or six different techniques or systems or protocols. And for each one of those, I'll kind of briefly say what it is, kind of what it's for, what it does, who might want to use it and when or where it might be useful. And I'll try to share a couple of resource ideas. All of those links will be in the show notes. So you don't have to try to remember those uh, as you're listening. So let's get into that. Uh, The first section is some tools that I thought might be useful to us. And again, these aren't necessarily ones that I've, I may have mentioned them in the past, but in most cases, these are not things that I use regularly, but things I'm looking at and may consider making a part of my productivity workflow or tool belt or whatever you want to call it. And so the first one I thought of is a vision board. And maybe you're already using this, but this is something I've heard about, but honestly, I've never done. Um, and so I looked it up, uh, kind of trying to see what's a concise way of describing what a vision board is. And um, Jack Camfield in his blog, uh, he actually did a post on how to create an empowering vision book. And I'll link to that. And he says in that blog, a visualization tool. Okay, a vision board is a visualization tool, which refers to a board of any sort used to build a collage of words and pictures that represent your goals and dreams. And that I think is kind of the the key point there. Um, You build a, a vision board is something on which you put a collage of words and pictures that represent your goals and dreams. Some resources I read refer to a, the book called The Secret as a source of the idea that you can manifest the things you want by clearly visualizing them and that vision boards came out of that. I think vision boards have been around a lot longer than that book is uh, has been. You may have heard of it. It was a bestseller. I have not read it um, from what I've read about it. I'm not sure I buy in entirely to the things that it teaches that you can just, you know, send energy out into the universe. And, and But it talks about the law of attraction. And, and it's been something that's very, been very influential for a lot of people. And one of the tools, I guess, that's come out of that is the vision board. Whether you... Um, uh, have accepted or or believe the law of attraction or not, the idea of a vision board can have a lot of uh, value in helping us to accomplish our goals because the best way to achieve your goals is to have them top of mind all the time and to take regular action toward them. So just thinking about it is not enough. Just writing it down isn't even enough because you can write something down and then put it away and um, never think about it again. But having it at the top of your mind and taking regular action toward your goal. And creating a vision board can help with that. Once you've created it, hang it where you'll see it frequently. That will remind you that it's there. Keep it in your head. um, Remind you to take action. And uh, the Canfield article noted that visualization, um, being able to visualize your goal, okay, whatever that goal might be, Uh, that visualization activates the creative powers of your subconscious mind and programs your brain to notice available resources that were always there, but escaped your notice. So um, it's sort of like if you 
I don't know, when I bought a new car of a certain make and model, all of a sudden I was seeing that make and model everywhere. Uh, Even back, I think all the way back to when our oldest daughter was born and we chose a name for her that I didn't know anybody with that, you know, contemporary with that name. We named her Rachel. Well, as soon as we named her that, of course, I saw, I, I ran into people all over the place who had named their children, their daughters, Rachel. So, I mean, part of it is you just become aware of something when, and you see it more once it's kind of planted in your brain. Visualization helps you do that, helps you see, recognize resources because you're thinking about it. You're thinking, I have this goal that I've visualized. I've created this this vision board. Um, I can see it in my mind. And I, now I know the things I need in order to accomplish it. And you start seeing them. You become aware of them because they're at the top of your mind. Uh, one article I read called The Lady Boss Guide to Creating a Vision Board um, suggests four steps to creating a really good vision board. And I'll just, I'm going to share the four steps, but I encourage you to read that article. Again, link in the show notes. And so the first step, the article says, is make a list of the areas of your life that are most important to you. So um, for each of those, I would say, do some journaling about what you want each of those areas to look and feel like, how you want to feel about it. Get a real good sense of that. And then the second step, the article says, is grab some magazines you love or head over to Pinterest. The idea being collect images and words that inspire you. And the writer of this article recommends don't overthink it. Just go with your gut, pull anything that looks that just kind of grabs your attention and have fun with it. Third step is to map out your images on your board. So once you've cut out, whether if if you're doing it on an actual, like a piece of poster board or or whatever, or if you're doing, creating a Pinterest, a digital uh, vision board in Pinterest, once you've gathered your images and cut out words that kind of jumped out at you and all of that, then take some time to kind of lay them out on the board, move them around until you find the layout that you like. There's no right or wrong here, just whatever appeals to you, whatever looks good, and you don't have to fill every space up in it. And finally, the fourth step the, the, this article says is, as I said before, hang your board someplace you'll see it often. So if you're going to do it in your... Um, in your bullet journal, that's fine too, but make sure you look at it all the time, put it on a page, put a sticky on the top of it or something, but see it often. The better approach, I think, and I think this is what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an actual tangible vision board and hang it on the wall here in my office, kind of in front of uh, my line of sight when I'm sitting here at my desk so that I see it all the time. And because as, as the Canfield article said, it would just keeping it top of mind and thinking through the process will help you, um, uh, start to notice the resources that are available to help move you in the direction you want to go. So who should use it? When would you want to use it? Why would you want to use it? Maybe if you're not sure what goals to pursue or what you want, the process of doing those steps might help you clarify that. Or if you have an idea of what you want, but you aren't sure how to go about it, going through those steps that we described might help kick your imagination into gear to come up with some new and novel approaches to getting what you want. Um, if Or if you find that you identify goals and even create a plan, but then you don't follow through, you know, you kind of fizzle out after a while, 
then having created that board and having it right there in front of you might help keep you motivated to take action. And certainly if you're visually oriented, I think a vision board is a great way to kind of document your goals, the life you want to create yourself. I'll share a couple articles in the show notes that will um, give some ideas for that. So that's one tool. A second tool that I thought about um, to help with our productivity, and maybe you'll think this is a little weird, but um, is like personality or character quality, characteristic tests. Uh, I couldn't really come up with a good word for it, but the reason I put this on the list is I really do think that self-awareness is a key to productivity. Knowing yourself, seeing yourself honestly, your strengths, your weaknesses, your inclinations, your interests, your talents, all these things play a role in our ability both to get things done and to make a life that matters. And sometimes these um, these tests can help us. Now, I don't think these tests define us and, and whatever, you know, however the test results come out, if it doesn't resonate with you, then discard it. But these tests can provide information that we can look at, evaluate whether it resonates, see what they say about the different personality types or whatever, and then consider whether and how we should adjust our approach to getting things done. And so I think these kind of tests can be, can be helpful. And personally, I'm kind of geeky. I like doing them. So, you know, there's that. So there are some examples. And again, I'll I'll put a link in the show notes rather than just rattle off a bunch of URLs here. Um, one of them that came to my attention recently is the Enneagram test. And this kind of focuses on nine different personality types. Uh, a great resource for finding uh, about this. Uh, there are tests you can take online. I'll put those links in, but um, there's a b- book called C, um, it's called The Road Back to You, An Enneagram Journey to Self-Discovery by Ian Crone. Uh, And Ian was recently interviewed by Eric Fisher in his Beyond the To-Do List episode. And that's where I actually, this kind of, I'd heard the the term before, but this is where I first got introduced to kind of the nine personality types. And episode 207, uh, Eric interviewed Ian and they went through kind of real quickly the nine different personality types and what their strengths are and maybe what some of their productivity challenges are. So it's a really good episode, really good introduction. And uh, Ian's website has a link to a test you can take to kind of find out which of the types is you. So the Enneagram one is one, the Strengths Finder 2.0 test and the book that talks about it. Uh, I did that, that several years ago. That's really good, really helpful. As I was researching what other kinds of tests are available, you know, there's different like Myers-Briggs type frameworks um, and there's a, a Neris personality types uh, at the 16personalities.com or .org. I don't remember. I didn't write it down, but I'll, I'll find it. I'll put it in the show notes. That looked really good. And then there's another one called the Big Five model of personality that you can find some tests you can take there. It, it scores you in openness, con- conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism, which I thought was funny. <laughs> neuroticism, not eroticism. Um, but I just thought that it's testing you and how neurotic you are. And I was surprisingly low. So that was encouraging to me. But anyway, I'll have links to those tests. I know there are others. Uh, And again, don't uh, pigeonhole yourself based on a test, but it's, if you're, um, it it can be a source of just information that help 
can help you become a little more aware. So why or when would you want to use this? If you feel like you're blocked or like you're struggling to succeed and you don't know why, you feel like you're not fitting into the groove of where you're working or the things that you're doing, or or when you just want some insight into yourself and the others around you, because not only understanding yourself can help, but also understanding kind of where other people fit on these spectra can help you know how to interact with them better. So if you're in any of those categories, or you're just curious and you like taking tests, uh, uh, these tests might be a useful productivity tool. Third one that I thought of was just a big wall calendar. And um, I'm a digital girl. Y'all know that about me. I've got my um, iCal that is on my computer and my phone and my iPad and everywhere in the world. But there's something about having a big calendar up on the wall that you can see that uh, can really help with your productivity in a number of ways. It lets you see the big picture and keeps it up there in front of you. And if you're in a work environment working with other people, it's a way to communicate to the team what the goals are, you know, what the schedule is, all that sort of thing. Uh, A big wall calendar, whether it's you know, especially a, a one-year calendar um, that where you can see the whole year on it can is really useful for long-range planning and for habit tracking, for that matter. You can color code particular habits and put a dot on the square for each day you do that habit, for instance. Uh, a big wall calendar can be a great tool for building new habits. Um, among other ways, you can do it is to uh, you can use it to on the with the don't break the chain technique that I'll mention a little bit later. So options for using a big wall calendar. I mean, any office supply store will have, have them. You could take, um, they make like desk pads that are a big monthly calendar. You can just take it off of that and tack them up on the wall. Uh, or it may, you may want a whole year at a glance. You can get those at an office supply store. There's a, one that I really like at papersource.com. I'll, I'll try to find a link and put it in there. Or the now year calendar. And again, that gives you a year at a glance and a place to put in a lot of information. Um, when or why would you use a big wall calendar? Well, if you feel like you're living day to day and not making progress on your long-term goals, or if you have trouble visualizing the big picture or need to plan farther ahead than just what you can see on the, you know, your phone screen, a, a big wall calendar can be really helpful for that, whether for business or for personal. Um, And there's some other uh, ideas about how to use uh, the wall calendar idea in a readgiftfairs.com blog with some photos that I thought were really cool. So I'll put a link in the show notes. Another tool, the fourth tool that I thought of as I was thinking about this, things that I... um, in, in this case, I've I've talked about them before, but I really just started using it more during the day when I'm working. And those are, for lack of a better descriptive term, website blockers. These are tools, digital tools that'll block your access to the internet as a whole or to particular websites for, for whatever period of time you specify. I, I use the Freedom app. It works on both my computer and my mobile devices. Joanne in the Facebook group uh, in response to a question somebody else had about trouble with social media, 
says, if you still want to use social media, but limit your time on there, maybe try one of the apps that block Facebook or Instagram, et cetera. Um, Joanne uses one called app detox. She's on Android. And so I wanted to make sure I mentioned that because I mostly use Apple devices and I'm not as familiar with Android, but this, uh, this one called app detox. And she says, she says, I can set times of day. I use an app or say a maximum amount of time, say five minutes, and it automatically shuts down the app when the time is up and won't let you log back in for a while. So that might be a tool. And another another one is like Rescue Time, which tracks where you're spending your online time so you can become more aware of that. Why or when would you want to use one of these website blocker tools? That's pretty obvious. If you find yourself spending more time than you want to on social media or surfing the web, and you're using that as uh, many of us often do to uh, procrastinate getting your, your most important tasks done, then this might be a tool worth checking out. And then the fifth tool that I came up with for this episode for something that I have used in the past, haven't been using uh, too much for quite a while, but I'm going to be looking at again. And that would be an online scheduling tool. This would be a tool for coordinating schedules and making plans with multiple other people. I mean, I share a calendar or my calendar and his calendar with my husband. So he, I can see his, he can see mine. We know where each other's going to be. But what I'm talking about is not so much uh, shared calendars, but a tool that lets you, if you're trying to schedule an event uh, and coordinate schedules among a bunch of people rather than uh, emailing back and forth multiple times, suggesting times, no, that doesn't work for me. Oh, that works for me. Yeah, but it doesn't work for me. Uh, or texting back and forth. There are tools you can use that will let you kind of send a poll with various options, let everybody vote, and then you can see what works for the most people. Uh, there are a lot of examples of that. In the past, I've used Doodle um, and, you know, fair disclosure, a couple of years ago, they were a sponsor of the podcast for a little while. Um, but they're not currently a sponsor, but it's a great tool that uh, lets you schedule conference calls or meetings for multiple people in business, but also for family. Nancy in the Facebook group says she's used Doodle to coordinate family activities with her husband and teenagers. So she'll send everybody a poll for the details, such as restaurants or movie suggestions. Uh, it could be great for get-togethers with friends, family reunions. If it's not something where it's just one other person that you can just pick up the phone and say, you want to do it Thursday or Friday kind of thing. If you've got multiple people to try and coordinate schedules on, a, a family reunions, any of those sorts of things, uh, something like Doodle would be a great tool for that. That's the one I've used. In researching, I noticed that th there are a bunch of them, and I'm going to put a couple links in um, the show notes for a couple articles that review various uh, tools of this type. But I noticed that there are a couple that are what look like to be free extensions for Gmail. I haven't used them, but in one of the articles, it listed them as for coordinating schedules within Gmail and that they're free. One of them is assistant.to and the other one is boomerang calendar. So those might be worth checking out. And again, when or why would you use this? If you're in any situation where you need to schedule events that involve multiple people's schedules, this could be a lifesaver. So those are five tools that I thought of. Now, uh, a couple of techniques, and I'm going to try and kind of go through these 
relatively quickly. I'm not trying to get into the deep details here. These are just some things that I thought about that some of them I'm going to be trying, some you might want to try, uh, things to help uh, improve our productivity. The first one is really a, a collection of different types of techniques that I call task consolidation techniques. And the, there's different ones, but the, and they can be used independently or more likely you're going to use them in conjunction with each other to work more efficiently. And by task consolidation techniques, I'm talking about things like time blocking, theming, or batching. So time blocking... This is blocking out chunks of time for particular purposes, and you can do it on paper or on your digital calendar, uh, but the idea is instead of trying to fit your most important activities into little bits of time here and there, you intentionally block out um, chunks of time to focus on them. So it might be scheduling two to three hours in the morning for your deep work, whatever that is, uh, if that's your most energetic or most creative time. Or maybe um, you, you block out time on Thursday afternoons for meetings to leave other parts of your day or week uninterrupted. So blocking out time literally on your calendar and saying, these three hours are for this project or this type of work. Th these you know, two hours are when I will schedule meetings. These, this is when I run errands is, you know, Wednesday morning, whatever it might be kind of related to that, maybe tied to, or uh, sometimes used with time blocking is theming. And that's assigning a, a particular theme or purpose to certain days or months. I first heard of this term or approach from Mike Vardy over at the Productivityist, and he has a ton of posts about this idea. If you go to productivityist.com slash tag slash theming, um, or just go to his website and search theming. It'll take you there. Uh, he's done a bunch of posts because he's a real big proponent of that. He themes his days. So certain days are for administrative type work, um, maybe audiovisual work, uh, learning is on another day where he'll be doing his research or studying or whatever, that, that sort of thing. And uh, that can be really useful because you get in a certain mindset for that day and you create a flow that it can be very efficient, very productive. And again, tied to both of these or something you could do with both of both time blocking and theming is batching. Uh, and this is just doing similar tasks together. So for example, instead of opening up the email every time it dings at you, batching all your email replies, setting aside, you know, an hour at 830 in the morning, I'm going to, I'm going to go through all the emails from the night before. And at 3.30 in the afternoon, I'm going to do another half hour and reply to all my emails then. Um, any similar ta type of task that you do kind of all together, writing letters, running errands, making phone calls. For me, it might be um, I'm batching recording several episodes of the podcast on the same day. Uh, that That's a batching thing that I'm doing. And there are time savings in doing this, you save for like for me batching recording podcasts. When I record a podcast episode, I have to get my gear out, my recording gear out, set it up on my desk, open up the the window where I've got my outline. Uh, I use a Google Doc for that, and um, you know, set things up and get my family quiet and all those sorts of things. 
if I only have to set up once and then I can do it, um, you know, do several episodes back to back, then that saves me having to repeat the setup and teardown process multiple times. That's an advantage or a benefit of batching. When or why would you use these techniques? Well, if you feel like your schedule's out of control, things aren't getting done, or if you just want to be more efficient in your use of time, then consider time blocking, theming, batching. Again, you you get those efficiencies of scale, get in the the mood, the zone of doing certain things at certain times, and it becomes habitual and more productive, more efficient. All right, the second technique that I... uh, thought about, and we've mentioned this in the past, but not really talked a lot about it, is the Pomodoro technique. And this also could have been a tool because uh, there is a a Pomodoro timer that you can buy. But uh, for a quick definition, the Pomodoro technique, and this comes from the guy who invented it, uh, the Pomodoro technique is a time management method developed by Francesco Cirillo in the late 1980s. The technique uses a timer to break down work into intervals, traditionally 25 minutes in length, separated by short breaks. Um, and no, that, that definition or that description right there came from Wikipedia, but, um, uh, Francesco Cirillo, ha- actually the company, Cirillo Company, has its own website where it talks about the Pomodoro technique and gives the background and kind of the tips for using it very well. And uh, on their website, it breaks down the steps for using the Pomodoro technique. Very simple. First of all, you choose a task, then you set the timer for 25 minutes then you work on that task until the timer rings. And when the timer rings, you put a check mark on a piece of paper. You have now completed one Pomodoro. So uh, that sequence of events constitutes a Pomodoro. And then once you've completed a Pomodoro, you take a 10 minute break, you know, a short break, maybe 10 minutes, and you walk away and go do something different. Go get yourself a cup of tea, um, you know, walk outside, whatever, but do something completely different for, for a short period of time. Then you come back and you do another Pomodoro, whether it's on that same project, if it's something that takes longer than 25 minutes or, uh, you know, another 25 minute project. And then in the Pomodoro technique, as um, the Cirillo company teaches it, after every four Pomodoros, you take a longer break, like 20 or 30 minutes. And the idea is to get, uh, it helps you focus because you're just, you don't have to keep looking at the watch. You're just going to work until the timer dings. And and you create those short bursts of, of focus with breaks in between to give your brain and your body a break. When or why would you use it? Well, if you're having trouble staying focused on the task at hand, the Pomodoro technique is a very good one to help you kind of break through that um, procrastination or, or develop some focus. And any timer can work to do that. So something to consider. The third technique that I came up with or thought about is mind mapping. Uh, And Wikipedia, again, says a mind map is simply a diagram used to visually organize information. And I went to, uh, there's a website called mindmapping.com, and they, it, gave some kind of color on what mind maps are. That website says all mind maps have some things in common. They have a natural organizational structure that radiates from the center and use lines, symbols, words, color, and images according to simple brain-friendly concepts. 
mind mapping converts a long list of monotonous information into a colorful, memorable, and highly organized diagram that works in line with your brain's natural way of doing things. So, uh, you know, it literally is just a diagram. You can write a word or draw a picture in the middle of a page, and then you draw lines out from it and, and, you know, connect things as they go along. Now, um, as, as it's used, the, one of the benefits of it is it's, as one writer says, a very intuitive way to organize your thoughts since mind maps mimic the way our brains think, bouncing ideas off of each other rather than thinking linearly. And, um, so mind mapping lets you just sort of throw your ideas onto the page without thinking about where they fit or what order you write them on there. You just can put them anywhere on the page and then start drawing lines as you see to connect them. Uh, you do the, you look for the connections and organize, find the order in it after you've gotten the ideas out there. So it can be a really good way to kind of break through writer's block if you're struggling with that, or if you're struggling to figure out what are the steps to do this project or to accomplish this goal I want, a mind map may be a really good tool to do that or good approach to doing it. And it can be done on paper or digitally. Sometimes people like to do, you know, like put a big piece of paper or even if you've got a whiteboard and maybe write your words on little, uh, those little one inch post-it notes and then stick them up there and then you can move them around however you want to. Um, there are also apps that allow you to create a mind map digitally. Uh, MindNote is one of them. Scapple is another one. If I think of some others, I'll, I'll put those in the show notes as well. When or why would you want to use this technique? Well, if you're, like I said, if you're stuck, you've got a lot of ideas in your mind, but can't, can't figure out what the order of them is or how they fit together. This will let you get them out onto the paper or onto the screen to look at and evaluate. And again, at the beginning of a project, maybe you want to just do a download of every idea you have so you can then see what you have and start to organize it and see maybe where the holes are. You could do a mind map with a team if this was a business or, or you know, nonprofit organization type thing, a project that you want to do. Um, do that thing with the whiteboard and little sticky notes and just have everybody brainstorm ideas, write them, write down a couple words, stick them up there, any old where. And then after you've got, you know, come up with every idea you can think of, then start moving around, say, where, where are the patterns here? Where, how, what goes with what and, and get creative with it. It can really help you, um, think in creative ways. So that's a technique of thinking that can maybe help us be more productive. Uh, the fourth one I thought of is a principle more than a technique. It's the 80-20 principle, also known as the Pareto principle or the law of the vital few. And, and the, essentially what it means is that in any situation, uh, anywhere, 20% of the inputs or activities are responsible for 80% of the outcomes or results. So one article I read gave some examples that in business, 80% of our revenues come from 20% of our customers. Uh, their article said also that 80% of the complaints come from 20% of the customers. And who knows whether those are both the same 20%. Um, uh, another example the article gave is that 20% of your ideas will generate 80% of the traffic on your blog, um, or 80% uh, of the positive results in my life come from 20% of the things I do. So this 
principle isn't a technique in the sense of it's not something you do. It's something that exists. It's just there. It's just kind of a uh, almost universal truth. But becoming aware of it can help you evaluate what you're doing and where you can best spend your time, your energy, your attention, and your money. Um, for m- more information about it, you can uh, listen to episode 205 of Beyond the To-Do List where they talked about that in pretty pretty good depth. And then there's an article Brian Tracy on his blog uh, wrote um, uh, about the 80-20 rule and how to, how to put it into effect. When or why would you want to use it? Well, if you feel like you're spinning your wheels or completely overloaded, then maybe it's time to sit down, evaluate your projects and your commitments. And what are the 20% of your projects and commitments that are creating the most results, whether it's in your business or in your life? Um, whether, whether those results are, you know, the most profit, the most joy, the most engagement, whatever it is, where, what are those 20% and what, what can you do to the other 80% that's not producing as much value in your life? All right. Number five would be a, a technique. It's kind of a habit creating technique, and it's called Don't Break the Chain. And supposedly Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, um, created this. Uh, and there's articles about, I'll put links in the show notes, but the idea of writing uh, that he became successful as a comedian by having the discipline of writing a joke every day. Uh, John Grisham had a similar uh, kind of technique that he used when he was starting out his writing career, he just would, his, his objective was to write one page every day. And the way they created the habit of doing this in both cases, they had a calendar, uh, up. And so you could use this with the wall calendar thing we talked about. And each day that they did that thing that they had determined was important to their success, they put a big red X on that day in the calendar fill up the box with that red X. And the idea is that pretty soon as you do that day after day, you have a chain of those red X's and you simply don't break the chain. You just do that thing every day. Um, And uh, the one article said, basically to figure out how to apply this technique, um, and I'm quoting here, consider the one thing that would make the most profound difference to your life if you practiced it every day. And that's the thing you would use this technique with to create a habit of doing it by creating that chain and the, the, the desire to not break the chain, just the red X in the box so that you, you have one after the other, after the other, whatever that thing is in your life that would make the biggest difference if you just did it every day. And it doesn't have to be a huge thing. You know, Jerry Seinfeld didn't say, I'm going to write, you know, 50 jokes a day. I'm going to write one. All I got to do is write one every day. And the idea is that when you do it every day, every day, every day, you're going to get better every day, every day, every day. And over time, you become an expert at it. Same thing with Grisham and his writing. Maybe for you, it's push-ups or it's, um, you know, eating, uh, drinking eight glasses of water or whatever, something you've decided in your life that will make the biggest difference if you did it daily and use this technique with that. And then the last technique is kind of a couple of things that I I lumped together as list management techniques. And there are two of them. So the first one 
is the technique called Eat That Frog. Um, there's a, a book by Brian Tracy by that name. I haven't read it, but it's been recommended by several people and it's on my list to read. But the concept of it is do your most challenging task first thing in the morning. And I think the title came from, oh my goodness, I didn't didn't look this up, but I want to say it's somebody like uh, Mark Twain or somebody said, if you you know, if you get up in the morning and eat a frog first thing in the morning, the rest of your day is bound to be better because nothing could be worse than that. And so the, I, I'm paraphrasing very roughly here. Sorry if I got it wrong. But so the idea of the eat that frog technique is just um, uh, to to do your most challenging test, task first thing in the morning. Your willpower is stronger than your energy is highest then, you know, all of that, get that done, get it out of the way. And then you have created momentum to go on and do the rest of what you have to do, because you have that satisfaction of having crossed the most important, most challenging thing, that thing you've been procrastinating on, you've got it done and you've already got a win for the day. So why or when would you use that technique? Well, when you find that you do lots of stuff all day, but you don't get the most important things done, there's something that you really need or maybe even want to do, but it's challenging to you personally. Maybe not because it's hard to do, but it's a little scary, a little whatever. Do it first. Not, you know, it's, it might be that, that phone call you've got to make that you're dreading. You know, it doesn't have to be some big monstrous thing, but just whatever you're dreading or finding most challenging, do it first, get it out of the way. And this technique can help you really um, improve your productivity. And then the last thing I found was, um, and I forget where I found this. It was an article. Oh, I've got the link here and I'll share it. But it's the idea of having you having a one, three, five list. So your list for the day, your to-do list for the day has one big task, three kind of medium tasks and five small tasks. And that's all. And this article says, by limiting you to a finite and accomplishable list, this system can help you feel in control of setting realistic goals and meeting them. So when or why would you want to use this technique? Well, if your master project list is huge and overwhelming, this can help um, avoid the distractions and the overwhelm of looking at it, help you focus on just those few most important things day by day. And that's how you power through the longest list, just one little thing at a time. So the one, three, five list, you got the one big thing you're going to do, three kind of medium things, and then no more than five small little things. And you're going to be hugely productive doing those things. So a couple of quick thoughts about this in general, Uh, you know, I mean, this is, this is a kind of a quick overview of some things that came to mind as I'm looking at, you know, making some adjustments to my productivity routines and and protocols and uh, thought to share some things with you. But two thoughts came to mind. One of them is you don't need to change just to be changing. Um, Although sometimes just making a change can increase our enthusiasm and our interest just because, uh, you know, we can get in a rut a little bit. But all these things, all these tools and these techniques, they're a means to an end. 
And the end is to get your stuff done. So if the tools and the techniques you're using are working for you, then instead of spending time exploring and learning something new and, 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 you know, looking for some, the next new shiny thing, just use your time to get your stuff done. We talked about this way back in episode 86, which was called five reasons to change your productivity system and four reasons not to. You might want to go back and listen to that if you're tempted to make a change just for the sake of making change. Um, so if what you're doing works, then stick with it. That's all that matters. All of these things are tools. They're a means to an end. They're not the end themselves. Finally, make small changes. If you're going to try one of these things, habits are easiest to develop one at a time. So try one thing. And if it works for you, get it integrated into your system so it becomes automatic. You don't have to think about how to do it before you try adding another one. So those are my thoughts on this. What do you think? Have, have you tried any of these tools or techniques? If so, how did they work for you? Are there any other tools or techniques that you can recommend? I would love to have your input on this topic. You can share your suggestions or your questions, your ideas in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 176 or post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page. Or if you're a woman who listens to this podcast, you are welcome in the Productive Woman Community Facebook group. That's a private group, uh, Facebook group just for the, the women who listen to the show. Sorry, guys. It's not that I don't like guys, but it's this one's just for the women. Um, and we have great conversations going on there. And, and feel free to, to post about this. If you want to share your thoughts about this episode with me privately, you can email, as always, your questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'd love to hear from you. Uh, don't forget to check out our sponsor, FreshBooks, and their 30-day unrestricted free trial. Just cl- uh, claim it by going to freshbooks.com woman and enter the productive woman in the how did you hear about us section. And thank you so much to FreshBooks for its ongoing support of The Productive Woman. It lets me bring this free content to you, and I appreciate it very, very much. So, um, you know, definitely, if, if you're looking for a way to manage your business finances in a better way this year, definitely check out FreshBooks. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. I am, as always, very thankful to you for spending this time with me. I hope you thought it was useful. I hope you thought it was worth the time. I really do want to hear your feedback. So do um, either write to me, post something in the show notes or, or, um, or in the comment section of the show notes or on Facebook or send me an email. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. We have lots of things coming up this year on The Productive Woman. And so I will be, um, be looking forward to sharing those things with you as we go. And until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. The Productive Woman is a proud member of Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx.